Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am, this is my first podcast since coming back from Belize. Uh, man, there's so much I could share about Belize. I think the the things that I just want to touch on really quick, and I might have to do like a whole podcast on this. I, I worked and I played right when I got back or people that were texting me were like, are you on vacation? And I was like, it's so interesting that we think that because we go somewhere, we have to like be on a vacation or it has to be this like very categorized thing versus like, no, I, I went to Belize and I worked and I played and I relaxed and I did all the things that I wish I was doing in my normal life all the time. And I got like a ton of gold being there because I was reflecting constantly on my life and my business and the podcast. And if you guys have been following me and you know the podcast, social media, you know that I, I took on this experiment of going plant-based vegan for the entire year of 2020, which is a huge deviation from the way that I had typically been eating and living. And you know, in San Diego and California, it's not really that hard. There is amazing plant-based vegan food everywhere you go. But on a tiny island in Belize, where there's like eight vegetables and you know five different fruits, and often the the stores just have most things that are in boxes or packaged and where you know America's exporting our uh, our processed foods. It was really challenging to find food and find restaurants that I could get food at. And so every day there were like tons of lessons about like what I was learning about being in my commitment and being consistent and sticking to something no matter what. Because I mean, I really believe that's all life is. Whatever we commit to, whatever we do, like stuff's gonna come up, whether it's traveling to Belize or, you know, um, something happening to someone in our family or a job. There's always gonna be a reason to get outside of our commitments and break, you know, the agreements we make with ourselves. So it was a really powerful experience. And the biggest takeaway that I'll share here is if you commit to something, you can make it work anywhere. There's nothing that gets in your way if you are honed in on it. And, Instead of living like, oh, I have to do this or I have to do that, or I can't do this or I can't do that, I really had the focus of just pay attention to what I can do. So instead of looking at food menus or living there and being like all thinking about all the things I can't have or can't do, I just kept looking for what I can have and can't do. And I really practiced being one day at a time. I don't have to worry about three weeks in Belize, how I'm going to figure it all out. I just have to worry about today. Like, how am I going to eat today? What great food am I going to get to do? What great experiences? And what I took away from that is like, wow, it's so much easier. So now I'm back. I'm like looking at my business. I'm looking at the next book I want to write. I'm looking at the podcast and I'm going, I can just apply that to this. I don't have to worry about creating $10 million. I just have to worry about winning today. 
And if I win today and I win tomorrow and I win the next day, all the things that I want will the the results will just come in a, in that process. Um, I'm excited about our guest because she does retreats. She does a lot of work. Um, I want to say on like mindfulness or uh, shifting your subconscious or your confidence. And I think she can add to this conversation. If you look at her social media and her Instagram, it looks like she goes to a lot of places and has lots of experiences like Belize. And uh, she just shared with me that she's going to, I think it was Bali. Um, let me give you a little about who she is, and we're going to jump right into this. So she hosts a top 20 wellness podcast called the Alchemized Life Podcast. She used to be in digital marketing, website uh, development, and had a lot of success in that area. And she's taken that and created a, uh, a business, a brand building business, a coaching practice around helping women in wellness build their brands, build their companies, and really um, have the success that they want to have. She has created courses, um, a 10-week course. She has online trainings, a 30-day email course that's on like subconscious, improving your subconscious mind, courses on confidence. Um, she's been featured in mind, body green. She, she doesn't teach yoga anymore, but she is a, was a top, like one of the six best yoga influencers to watch. She was a wanderlust 35 under 35 wellness to watch. It's, she just occurs like she's crushing it. Um, and you know, in the little time that we've spent together, she's just happy and joyful and and brings a light. Uh, I'm super excited to introduce you guys to Ava Johanna. Did I did I nail it? We were talking about name you anxiety. You nailed it. You Not nailed it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And I have to say, your intro is getting me so excited for Bali because that is my exact intention when going out there to just be in an area, work, play, reflect, and not feel. Like it has to be a vacation or it has to be a work trip, but just enjoy myself out there. And I've had so many people come up to me and maybe we'll just like dive into travel right now, but sure. I've had so many people come up to me and be like, so what are you doing out there? What's your plan? Where are you going to go? Are <laughs> you going to go do hikes? Are you going to go to the islands? I'm like, I literally just got an Airbnb and I'm going to have routine out there and I'm excited to just live in another place for a couple of weeks and enjoy myself. I think that we have so many like connotations around travel, like you said, and expectations. And I'm just really excited to do exactly as you did and be in another place. That's so awesome. Like to see that and have that, that like getting outside of that box, right? We think that we have to like we have to have like a reason for going somewhere or we have to have like this structured plan. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Right. If that's what you want to have and that works for you. I think for me, like you, it was, it was really new and different to say, I have no plan. And there were a couple of days on the trip that didn't go so well because I didn't know what we were doing and I wasn't prepared for the first couple of days. And then it was like, okay, so there's some stuff I didn't get to do and some stuff that didn't go well. And then, you know, the, the sun came up and everything became amazing again. Um, what, when you, when you do travel, what is, do you have like a, um, do you have practices that you do? Do you have things that you stick to, to kind of keep your life going the way you want? Or do you totally just like, like kind of leaf in a river and see what happens? Yeah. You know, when I first started traveling consistently, 
I thought that I would have a very strict routine for myself. I thought I'd wake up every day and do yoga and journal and write. And um, it did not go that way at all. (laughs) My first like big trip was I think four years ago. And I went to South America and had planned to go to South America for about six months. I just finished my yoga teacher training. I did not practice yoga a single time the entire trip. And um of course, a lot of like guilt came up and my body was all out of whack. But now that I've become more of like a seasoned traveler, I realize how essential some parts of my practice are that are absolutely non-negotiables for me. So really all that that is, is moving my body and meditating. And other than that, I'm like a leaf in the river and just allow myself to be fluid wherever I'm at, um, which I think is important because I think that we can get so stuck in I have to do everything exactly as I do at home. And then if it doesn't go that way, we're kind of using it as this crutch and can say, oh, you know, like now I'm not going to have a great day because I didn't get X, Y, and Z in. And so I think finding like a couple non-negotiables that are easy to integrate wherever you're at is much better than either letting go of everything altogether or being so rigid in your routine. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I had the only thing that I, I had my you know, clients and whatnot, the things I was committed to in that sense. But I had obviously the being vegan and plant-based for the trip. That was one. But otherwise, the only thing that I really planned was every morning I would read. I would kind of set up my day. I'm doing the Course in Miracles. So I would mm-hmm. that I would kind of just take – and some days it was five minutes. Some days it was 20. But I would basically wake up and that was kind of how I set my intention. It was kind of a way to ground, to reconnect. So yeah, it totally makes sense. How yeah. does it work? You shared with me before we started, we got hopped on here that you're married. How does it work with, is your husband traveling with you? Do you, is it a completely separate? Like, how does that show up in your travels? Yeah. I mean, this is the first time that I'm ever traveling by myself, like, and actually going to be somewhere for a long period of time by myself. So I'm excited. I'm also a little nervous to experience loneliness, but I think it's going to be a really great lesson for me in how to not reach for something when those feelings come up. Because every other time that I've experienced loneliness when I was younger, I would reach for alcohol or reach for a joint or text someone or go out. And so this is really going to be a practice in independence and feeling complete and whole without needing anything outside of myself. Do you have a way that you're like ready to practice that? Is there like a structure or something? I do, you know, I, I talk with my clients all the time. If you're going to pr- do something and commit to something, what's the structure that's going to support you is, or are you just like, you're super disciplined and you know, if you say it, you'll do it. What's your, what is, how does it go for you? Oh gosh, I wish I was super disciplined. Um, no, I think for me, it's going to be meditation and checking in daily. That's one of the things that I've realized is absolutely necessary in my practice and in the practice of my clients as well, is you have to have those check-ins with yourself. The moment that you start to feel an inkling towards maybe a lower vibration um, or an emotion that doesn't feel so good in your body, taking a moment to pause, ask yourself where it's coming from, and then adjust from there. And so What that might look like is every morning me waking up in meditation and journaling for a little bit. If a feeling of loneliness comes up and I have the inclination to be like, oh, maybe I'll go to a bar and get a drink or get a beer, asking myself, is my wanting of a beer because I feel unwell? 
whole or am I wanting a beer because it will add to the experience of how I'm already feeling or of feeling good already. And so I think that there's a fine line between the two of I feel really good and I just want to enjoy the sun and the beach and drink a beer at the same time. And then I'm looking for something to pass the time away or I'm looking for something to make me feel more complete. And so the check-in is there to be able to decipher between the two. I love that. The not making a beer wrong or anything wrong. The idea of like, what is it for? Um, I was recently talking to some people about uh, psychedelics and drugs and growing up, I was never, I drank and, and smoked weed, but like I wasn't a drug person. And now as an adult, I'm actually like really interested in experimenting with like lots of different kinds of psychedelics, but from a personal development, spiritual place, like I want to see what's possible and what opens up, which is different than the way I used to consume alcohol and weed from a place of like, I need to mask my feelings. I want to feel a different way than I feel. I love how you described it as it's like an adding to versus a, a trying to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is, um, I want to, I'm curious, you know, I, one of the things we've been, we started talking about travel and one of the things that when I look at your, like I looked at your website and I'm looking at different things. One of the first things I noticed is you have this, um, money, mo like money, uh, manifestation meditation, um, and your story that you shared with me. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about it, of like what you've overcome and, can you talk about like what you've overcome and now how you have this money manifestation and how these things connect? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, I'm always a work in progress. So I'll just start there that the work is not, not done. But when I was 16 years old, my mom, my sister, and I were evicted from our home. Our car was repossessed and we were on food stamps. And so um, you and I connected before we hit record, but I grew up in Agora Calabasas area, which as you know, is a very affluent area. People have a lot. My best friend had a Range Rover when she was, before she actually got her license. And so I was surrounded by so much money and, um, you know, growing up, we actually had quite a bit of money. So it was like this complete 180 with my life. And it was incredibly traumatic as it is for anyone that experiences that kind of loss in their life. And really what happened from that period on is that I made a vow to myself that I would never experience that type of loss again, that I would never be in that position again. And while listening to that initially sounds really empowering, it created all of these really messed up money beliefs in my mind and in my subconscious that really were this underlying current through all of my actions and everything that I set out to do. And for me, the process of building a successful career in digital marketing and branding was all driven by once I make X amount of money, I'll be happy and I'll be fulfilled. And every single moment as I would make more money, I kept having this idea of this is not enough. I could still lose it all. Or even as I was making more money, I was still spending my money. And like I said, going to Money Tree every month to get an extra 300 or $400 so I could pay my rent. And so over time, as I continued growing my career in marketing and in branding, I eventually got a promotion at this company that was really destroying my life. Um, it was one of those marketing companies that has all these cool perks to it, but actually treats their employees like 
shit. Um, <laughs> and um, I finally got this promotion. And it was almost as if my like career flashed before my eyes. And I saw myself in the position of the people that were ahead of me or that had, um, you know, that were leading the company. And I could just tell that they were miserable. They were stressed out. And I just knew at that point that there wasn't ever going to be a position or a title or a number on my paycheck that would make me feel whole or make me feel happy. So I had to figure it out another way. And that's when I found yoga and started really diving into self-help and spirituality and personal development. And since that point on, it's really been a journey of, oh, okay, you can have beliefs and patterns around different things in your life, whether it's money, love, success, um, your confidence. And not only can you have these, but you can also rewrite these. You can also shift the narratives in your head and find a more empowering story that actually makes you feel whole, makes you feel complete without having to reach outside of yourself. And so I've done a ton of work with therapists, with coaches, with people just by listening to them on my podcast and through interviews and conversations to start to really get clear on what my beliefs are around money, what my tendencies and behaviors are around money and what I want to want, what I want them to shift into. And that's, what's really cool about all of this work is that we actually are the ones that get to choose. It's just a process of rewriting the patterns and the neural pathways in our brains that takes a little bit longer in order for us to start living in a new paradigm. And so over the past five and a half years, really, it's been my goal to change the paradigms and my narratives around money so I can step into the version of myself that feels whole and complete without money. So I can step into the version of myself who is making six figures and supporting other women in making a ton of money too and feeling worthy around money and feeling excited around money and not looking at it as this icky thing or this thing that there will never be enough of. And like I said, it's been a process too. I've tried a lot of different things. I've done all of the like standard exercises that you might find um, as far as, you know, working with a financial analyst or a coach and doing more spiritual work or healing work with, you know, channels and clairvoyance. And over time, what it's really done is I've picked out the things that have worked best for me and resonated best for me and use those to really adapt my beliefs. And now I'm excited to have a successful business, to have really worked on my self-worth and my relationship with money and now be able to support other women in making those changes as well. Because whether we come from money or come from no money, we all have a narrative around it. And the goal is to be able to choose the one that feels best for us and that allows us to be in our fullest expression. And so it's fun to work with it. It also feels really uncomfortable at times too, but it's important. It's important that we make these shifts so we can, like I said, be our fullest expression. I love that you touched on the, uh, like, it didn't matter how much you made there. Then the fear was, well, it's not enough. I might lose it. I like yeah. that really lands. Cause I've, I've had a really similar journey where actually when I made less money and I was in the hospitality industry, I actually felt like I could had to like be more responsible and manage it more because there was less. And I had to be more um, cautious of where it went and how I used it. And as I've, for the last five years now, own my own company, run my own business, and there's a belief like, well, I can make as much money as I want every day. Like whatever I'm willing to do and go create, I can make. And with that, that cautiousness went away. And 
And I think one of the things I've learned is like, you can outspend whatever you can make. Like if you want to, you can outspend. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it, and it can, and you, yeah, and you can do it like blindfully. Like you, it doesn't even take a lot of awareness. And I'm in that conversation often the last two years, I made more money than I ever had before. And each year has grown and this year will be better than those. And yet the conversation about money hasn't necessarily shifted. I actually said to my coach just yesterday, I want to have conversations about money on every call that we have until something goes different, right? And it's not a conversation about how do I make more because I'm already doing that. It's a mm -hmm. conversation about how do I shift my relationship to money so that I'm not afraid I'm, I need to make, I'm not afraid I'm going to lose it all, or I'm not afraid that I don't make enough or it's never enough. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please jump in. I, I mean, making money is easy. I think people, when we're like just beginning our entrepreneurial journey, we freak out about how's the money going to come in. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the issue. Making money is super easy. It's the spending money. It's the relationship with money. It's the honestly, dare I say, disrespect that we have with the money that we that we already have. And that's what really needs to shift. And I think that's what separates kind of as we were discussing before we hopped on, but the amateurs from the pros is what is your relationship with money? Do you respect your money? Are you scared to open up your bank account because you just don't even want to look at it? Even if you have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in your bank account, I have women that I work with that won't even open her, open their bank accounts because they're so anxious around money. And it's that stuff that we need to look at because you don't want to be running a business and have all of these underlying anxieties or you know just be completely unaware of what's going on in your bank account and your finances. You want to feel good and every single aspect of your business, because that's the type of energy that's going to be communicated with your community and with your, with your clients and really be being in the energy of money is respecting it and treating it like you would with like your partner or your best friend, you know? Let's yeah, let's dive into, can we look at it from a, like a practical sense? People that are listening, I think if you, right, when we look at the world, everybody has a, like, a wacky sense of money. We all do like super weird things with it. We have weird patterns, weird behaviors, like, right. People have tons of it and are terrified to look at it. People that don't have any spend it like they have all of it. There's all sorts of different dynamics. When people show up to work with you or the people that, that follow you or the courses that they do, what's kind of the, like the bullet points on how we start shifting that relationship? Like what kind of, mm. or, and maybe throw in like a practice if you, if you're willing that somebody could take yeah. on besides the meditation that you give away on your website? Yeah. So I love to be pragmatic, but I also love including the energy work and the spiritual practices around money too, because I think the two go hand in hand truly and how we can shift our excitement around money and just like our, all of the feelings that we get that get conjured up whenever we start thinking or talking about money. If we can start to shift that, then it makes the practical practices um, a little bit more fun and enjoyable. One of the things that I do with my clients is have them start to witness the overflow that they have in all areas of their life to start to just really get out of the, I don't have enough, the scarcity, the lack mentality into, I already have, I already have enough. And so sometimes that looks like when you wake up in the morning and you're on your phone after you've gotten out of the shower, witness that your hair is wet and warm. You've got a big fluffy cozy towel around you and you're on your 700 or a thousand dollar phone, um, you know, scrolling, <laughs> scrolling on Instagram that is having, 
Yeah. Having a roof over your head is having opening up your cabinet and seeing five different types of teas or all of the different, you know, cereal or snacks that you have is having. And so when we can start to shift our perspective from, oh, I don't have enough money or I don't have enough clothes or I don't have enough opportunities in um, in my inbox right now to, wow, look at all the abundance around me. Look at that. Even though I feel like I don't have enough clothes, I actually do have a lot of clothes in my closet or I do have a full fridge and start to focus on what you do have. And so that's a daily practice that's showing up every single morning and taking in the environment around you. You know, right now I'm looking, there's a fireplace going. That's pretty cool. A lot of places, people don't have fireplaces in their houses or there's an abundance of plants or I know that there's an abundance of water that I can drink that's clean water and really starting to shift our perspective because the more that we focus on what we do have versus what we don't have, the more that our minds will go there instantly versus the behavioral pattern of the past where we focus on what we don't have. That you, you came full circle, right? With the conversation I started with when we were talking about Belize, like focusing on the foods I can eat, the things that I can have and can do instead of the things I can't. And it shifts the whole conversation. Like my yeah. whole relationship I've, tr I've tried to change like be vegan or plant-based before for like limited periods of time, but it was never like a concrete commitment that I had to stay in. And, and this commitment that I've chosen now is for a year. There's no way that I'm going to not do it. Like I'm not going to break this up and be like, oh, I'll just go back at some point. But it really is that what's made the difference is that mindset shift of focusing on all the things I can have or that I get to have or that I have the opportunity to have versus seeing it from the lens of, oh, I can't have a burger, I can't have pizza, I can't have cheese, I can't have ice cream, which just gets like super depressing. And it's like, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's whining, really. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, being, it's being a victim. And for me, I don't want to live my life as a victim. Like I am the lead character. I am the protagonist. Like I am the star of my own movie. And I don't want to be in the movie where the lead character is a victim. Like I am empowered. I am the one that gets to choose how my life is. I get to choose my perspective of my life. And I want it to be a damn good story. But that starts with us first. It's not going to be anything external that starts to shift your perspective. Um, and I think that that's like a big thing that I've been working on lately is realizing that very similar to like the whole conversation about being lonely in Bali and reaching for something is that we're never going to have anything external tell us that we are enough or that life is enough. We cannot outsource our fulfillment in anything outside of us. It all has to come within. I, I always like to, um, kind of, uh, I don't know, bracket conversations like this to remind people listening that this is a con the conversation we're having is a conversation for people that do like have their basic needs met that are listening yes. to this on an iPhone that have, uh, you know, an iPad or a laptop in front of them. Um, this, is we're not having a conversation for, right. Like I didn't walk around Belize to like the people that didn't have money and be like, come on, just like change your perspective and your whole life will change. That's not like, I, I, so I just always like to remind people that the conversation we're having is for people that have their basic needs met. They're safe. They have shelter. They have clean water. They have air. They have food. You know, they can pay, they have a, a roof over their head. And 
there's still that thing that's missing. They're unsatisfied. They're unfulfilled. They're, they're negative. They're complaining about their life. They want more, whatever it is. Uh, and I think unfor- there's so many of us that things are actually going well. I love when you talked about before all the things that we're having, but instead of noticing all the things that we have, we're focused on all the things that we don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I love that you brought that up. I mean, if you are listening to this podcast, you're privileged. And that's just like the the bottom line, even if you are listening on an iPhone four, um, I don't know <laughs> if those still work, but <laughs> I'm yeah. sure someone will let us know if it does. And I think to that point, even further, what is a really beautiful practice as well, when you do start to get into that place of dissatisfaction, how can you start to give to people that are less privileged than you. And so maybe that means for me, as an example, whenever I have cash in my wallet and I see someone on the street that doesn't have a home or is needing food, I always give my cash out. Or if I have a granola bar or something, I always give that. And that isn't just to like make me feel good, but it's instead to like lift everyone up and to be in a position of giving. Because when we're increasing our capacity to give, we also increase our capacity to receive too. And so if you want to feel better about yourself and feel better about your situation, spending time to give to other people that are less fortunate is not only going to show you how good you have it, but also be to be in service of other people. And I think that's yeah. the most important thing that we can do on this planet is just be in service. You, uh, you're reminding me of, and I wish I knew it's, it's written probably about in tons of places. So I can, it might not be isolated to one place, but you're reminding me of the idea that you can't give what you don't have, right? If you don't have any money, you actually can't give away money. So if when you, let's say you had $50 in your pocket and you see somebody who you know, is, is houseless because <laughs> who knows what their home is. Right. But, um, they, uh, and you have that debate in your head, like, Oh, I can't. And maybe it's not the whole $50. Maybe like, I can't, I don't have enough. I love the idea that when you think about that, theoretically, you're actually telling your subconscious, I don't have, mm-hmm. and we're, we're actually tricking ourselves. So maybe you do need that. Maybe that money was for food and it is. But when we're in the conversation, I know I do it, right? I'll think, I'll like, man, I want to give this thing to somebody. And then right away, my ego jumps in and starts throwing all the reasons of why I shouldn't, where my initial impulse was to like help or serve someone. And that initial impulse actually was a reflection of all the abundance in my life and all the gifts. But the ego doesn't want that, right? The ego is wants to play a completely different game. What do you, um, cause it exists for you. Like, how do you work with that in your space? Like when your ego gets involved and wants you to maybe do things that aren't in line with, you know, these philosophies and the ways that you want to live your life. Yeah. I mean, meditation has supported me so much in discerning between my ego and my intuition or the like kind voice inside and the voice that wants to keep me small and fearful. But it's noticing when that voice starts to come up and taking a moment and being like, Hey, this kind of like an inner mean girl right now (laughs) that's talking to me. And, you know, it could be your inner asshole, your inner bitch, whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever you resonate with, but recognizing that that voice is 
always trying to keep you small. It's always trying to tell you that you don't have enough and that it's you against the world. And whenever you start to get those like little nods of like, oh, okay, that's not the most abundant mindset or that's not coming from a loving place or this thought is making me feel a negative way. Whenever you start to like recognize that, it's then calling it out. Okay, this is my ego then. Do I want to be in service of my ego or do I want to be in service of my soul? So I think it's really the soul versus the ego or they work together really. I mean, we have to have a little bit of healthy ego, but ultimately we can be in service of one or the other. And it's within that recognition of noticing that that it's your ego that you get to choose whether you feed it or you feed your soul and you come back to that loving thought or that place of service or that recognition of having an abundance um, and choosing. I mean, I, I wish that there was like a fancy, like cool biohacking trick to moving <laughs> through your ego, but it's all very, very simple. You know, we already, already, we already know the answers and what we're supposed to do. Usually we just ignore it or make excuses, but it's choosing. It's choosing either the ego or the soul. Yeah, I like that. And it's 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 very repetitive work, right? It's not when we think about um a lot of people are like, "Oh, it's so hard." And I and the thing that I've been present to especially recently is like, "Man, it was hard to live the other way. To like be upset and be negative and um let my ego keep me separate from people. Now it didn't seem hard in the moment because that was the habit and the pattern. But when I actually look at it, like life living life that way was hard. Now making a change may might be hard also, but I get to choose, right? Which of those games do I want to play? Assuming that they're both, one isn't harder than the other. Mm -hmm. um, I love that, that I like that. Hey, it's just a repetitive thing. You just get to make a choice in a moment. Notice where it's coming from and then make another choice. Where do you find that you like personally struggle or challenge the most um, in your own life with your own growth and maybe business? Where, where do you find you hit the most roadblocks or challenges? Yeah, I think that it's what I'm working on right now is not letting no or any type of rejection decide my value or define my value and really keeping my confidence and my conviction around who I am, what I do, my voice and my value strong, regardless of anything external. Let's talk about like what you are up to, like the things that you have going on um, currently. You, I shared at the beginning, right? Like you have all these offerings, you have podcast retreats. Like, what do you see? What's 2020 for you? Mm, so 2020 is a year of really stepping into the next level version of myself. For the past five years, I've been playing small in a lot of ways and have allowed my fear of being seen, of sharing my voice, drive most of my decisions around what I say yes to and what I say no to. In addition to that, also my relationship with money has shifted greatly over the past year. 
So saying yes to things that are out of alignment is no longer an option for me. And so 2020 is really my year of supporting other women and stepping into that place without having to go through the years and years of trial and error and really sharing with my one-on-one clients as well as my group clients and the retreat attendees that come on the experiences that I create in person that there is a better way and you can actually access it a lot earlier on in your business rather than go through this path of a lot of resistance, a lot of fear, a lot of I have to follow a specific strategy and all of the shoulds that we run into and instead teach them from the get-go how to really tune into their intuition, to use their excitement around what they offer and the value that they bring to build a successful business. For me, for so long, I was the one that bought all the like really expensive courses on how to build webinars and the six figure launch and stuff like that. And (laughs) it never worked for me. And I realized after working with my coach, actually, that it wasn't so much the strategy that was making all of these people successful as it was the soul and that they really had this confidence and excitement around what it was that they offered. And that was what really was making them a magnet for their clients versus the, you know, exact step-by-step strategy of how to build a successful webinar and get a ton of people into it. Um, And so my goal with my work is to peel back the layers of the shoulds or the, this person did this. So that means that it'll work for me too. And instead support my clients and finding their unique path. That is the path of least resistance that feels good and is fun and allows them to have it all without having to hustle so hard and work the like 10 to 12 hour days and be in that mindset, but instead find what works best for them and feels best for them. That's so, it's such a brave conversation because like to follow your own path, to follow your own heart, whether it be your passion or your intuitiveness, but to like say, Hey, this might, these five things might've worked for people, but I'm going to like go my way because that works for me. And I, and I have to trust me. I find that that happens a lot with people that I meet when, when I talk to them about coaching or their clients that they often people show up and they're looking for like the five steps or the 10 mm-hmm. steps or or the, hey, I'm looking for a coach who can help me create this thing because you know how to do it. And then they're often surprised to find like, I'm not here to give you that. Like there's somebody out there that will, you could Google it. You don't, you don't need to just Google it actually. You don't, you can find the 10 steps to whatever. Yeah. Um, what do you, do you find that with your clients that they, they, sh- they might show up wanting like the, you to give them the blueprint and then what happens, like, how does it actually go? Yeah, you know, initially when I launched my coaching program, that's exactly how it was because I wasn't clear on exactly who it was that I wanted to work with and their energy showing up and their intention showing up to work with me. And so that's one of the things that I work with with my clients as well is get really clear on who your client is, but not like the Sally from San Diego who's 24 years old and needs a health coach, but instead like Sally from San Diego who knows how to take action, who is a yes to working with me and willing to show up and do the work before we even sign on to each other, before the contract's even signed and really the energy and the intention behind the person. And what I realized is that in doing that in my own work and getting really clear that I want to work with women that are going into it with the intention of 10xing their investment by the end of our work together. I want to work with the woman who is ready to take action and knows that she wants to create a sustainable business for herself, both online and in person. 
I want to work with the woman who is confident and just needs a little bit of support honing her voice. And when I started doing that, I stopped attracting the girl that came to me asking, well, how do I build my Instagram following? Or how do I teach at Allo Yoga? And instead started attracting the woman who was ready and excited to get clear on her unique strategy versus I want to be exactly like you. Does that make sense? It's like, it starts first with us and who we're attracting. I hear it as like a very, it's a very trusting conversation. Like people actually have to trust themselves, the intuitive nature of what they want, how they want to get there and break away from the things that our ego or society says that we should do. Is there a, I'm like, I want I almost want to like know how you, how you support women to find that trust in themselves when this might be the first time they're having that conversation. Like you might be the first person that's like, we're not going to do it the way that, that five other people say, we're going to actually find your way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and in the beginning, it definitely is a lot of accountability and support in showing up for them and holding space for them to feel comfortable and confident in finding that voice for themselves. So for me, it's like taking them back to basics and reminding them that the tools that they've learned through other podcasts or through self-help books that they've, that they've read are actually fundamental for them in building that confidence and in being fearless and pursuing their own unique path. And so what that looks like on a very like practical level is providing them with tools to be able to meditate every single morning and tune into that voice, asking for support, asking for guidance and just trusting whatever comes up and then taking time after they meditate to journal about it. And within that practice of showing up consistently over a week or two weeks, they start to see all of these little golden nuggets coming up. And then they start to kind of, it's like taking a piece of dark chocolate and being like, oh, okay, that tastes good. I want more. Because once you dive into these practices and you're consistent with them, you start to open up your world in ways that it wasn't open or it hadn't expanded in the past. So it really is a practice of walking the walk to experience the juiciness on the other side and the creativity and the intuitiveness that lives inside all of us, but you have to sit down and do it. And so it's, for me, it's holding them accountable to showing up for themselves every single day. And as they do, they get more and more clear on what they want to offer. You know, I had a session with one of my newest clients yesterday and we've been working together for a month and she wasn't meditating daily before, but now she meditates in journals every single morning and she's still got a full-time job, but she works from home. And so she has this practice in that's not the most convenient practice for her to incorporate because she has a full-time job, but she still shows up and does it. And yesterday she shared with me, she had a full download for her eight-week program and exactly how she wants to lay it out, all of the content, what it looks like, what's provided in it. And it's like those types of experiences that are so beautiful that you can experience by showing up for yourself every single day and making these practices a priority, whether it's meditation or journaling or going for a run or some sort of introspection and reflection, but it works. It works when you work it though. Yeah. i I get my best ideas, the things that really light me up at like that 45 minute point of like a hot yoga class. Mm, and yeah, I, and I, I don't know, 
I th- I've talked about this a little. Like, I'm not the person. I don't love going to hot yoga. I don't love going to the gym. It's not a thing that I'm like, yes, let's. It it it's a it's a it's a discipline. It's a consistency because what I'm committed to in my life is bigger than how I feel about waking up and going. And so it's become important and I do it. And one of the reminders that I give myself is, hey, you get gold when you do this. Mm -hmm. That even if you don't like it, who cares? Like the best stuff shows up. And that this kind of brings me to something I, I know that we, you and I were kind of talking about before we got on here, which is that idea of like pro- versus amateur, right? Like you're just talking about this woman who's a pro, right, in her business, and now she's creating, um, I want to say like pro-style practices to make her better. Mm-hmm. I uh, I just read, I don't, I wish I knew how much it was, but I just read something that like LeBron James invests a million dollars a year into his like body, his mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. And people, some people were like blown away by that number and other people were like, are you kidding me? Like he better invest that. Like it, it would be insane not to. And then I started thinking about that of like, wow, why don't all of us take not a million dollars necessarily, but why don't all of us have this amount that we're like, hey, I'm going to invest this into improving my mental and physical health. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy that we're touching on this because we invest. So, and this is going to bring the conversation around full circle again, but we invest so much in things outside of us. For me, for so long, it was, I'm going to go after I get my paycheck, spend my money on a new outfit. And it wasn't even like a fancy new outfit. It was like going to Buffalo exchange because I didn't have any money, Um, but spending all of my money on clothes or the new iPhone or getting my hair done. And I'd wonder why I didn't feel happy a couple of hours after it was like this quick hit. And then I would just be in the same exact place. When we're investing all of our money in something outside of us, we're not actually investing in ourselves. But when we start to invest our money in ourselves, whether that means buying a yoga membership, investing in a coach, even getting a course that's self-guided or um, you know, an, an meditation app. Like it doesn't have to be anything big. It doesn't have to be a million dollars, but really choosing to spend your money intentionally on something that is going to support your mental, your spiritual, your physical health, your emotional health, then we're betting on ourselves to succeed. You know, I always say that investing in yourself is betting on yourself to succeed. And that's a bet that I want to take. Yeah. And I, and I, I, if we, even if we take just like logic, and we get outside and we go to our brain instead of like spirit or heart or anything else. Everything in life works that way. If you don't take care of your car, it breaks down and it doesn't serve the purpose that you want it to. If you like, we put cases on or even these, our phones, right? We spend all this money on a phone and then we buy a case for it because if we actually don't take care of it, then it doesn't serve the purpose that we want it to. But yet mm-hmm. when it comes to ourselves, yeah, maybe we have the gym membership. Maybe we like try to eat healthy, but as a human being, we're so much more complex than just like, hey, I got a workout in and I ate good food. There's so, our, our mind is the most complex engine that exists. And if you're not taking that level of care to it, well, then you're not going to get the results. And you're also going to, it's not going to produce on the level that you want it to. Yeah. I mean, your brain is it's responsible for a hundred percent of the things that you do. (laughs) You're using your brain and absolutely everything that you're doing. You're using your your brain right now, listening to me. And so it, for me, it's a no brainer (laughs) to take the time every single day and meditation. It's three to 5% of your day. Um, 
it's a no brainer for me to take that time to give back to the organ that is it's invested in a hundred percent of the things that I do. So to come back to the pro versus amateur, what's the difference for you? Yeah. So for, I'll, I'll speak because I've been in amateur mode for most of my life and I'm still working on being in pro mode. Um, but amateurs versus pros, I would say the biggest thing is that the pros show up consistently. The pros show up every single day, even if it's a bad day, even if they wake up on the wrong side of the bed and do the things that they know support their mental, emotional, and physical health. And that doesn't necessarily mean spending an hour at the gym, spending an hour in meditation, reading for an hour. It can literally be 20 minutes spent doing one thing that supports you. And knowing that that is fundamental in your success, in not only in your business, but in your relationships too, in your self-talk that you have. And for me, not doing those practices are how we start to get stagnant. That's when the inner dialogue starts to be more negative or the doubt comes up or the fear comes up or the beliefs of I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, I don't have enough comes up is when we stop doing those practices, when we neglect our health on all the different levels and instead start to focus so much more externally, whether that's spending excess time on our phones or not having boundaries with the people around us or, you know, spending time in our inbox. Those are the things that start to take us away from the inner strength that we build through these foundational practices. When you see people like, um, let me actually say that. I want to like look at that differently. When people show up, when your clients show up, people that, you know, you meet and talk to, what's like the signs that someone's actually playing an amateur game that maybe they don't realize it? Like, what would you notice and see that, that someone listening could be like, oh my God, I I think I'm playing it like a pro, like going all out, but I'm actually, I'm actually living at an amateur level or playing at an amateur level. Yeah. Um, excuses are the biggest, I guess, like, um, excuses are what show me the most that people are operating at like a more of an amateur level at the language, the language that they're using. So saying things like, Oh, I can't do this, or I don't know how, or, um, you know, it's something you said earlier, like, this is hard. Um, you know, really taking our, looking at our language as a reflection of our perspective of the world and our perspective of ourselves. So, different words that you can use instead of if if you notice yourself saying something like this is hard I say this is an opportunity for growth if you say I can't it's not I can it's that you uh, don't want to or you're not willing to I don't know how turns into I'm willing to learn and really starting to be mindful about our language because our language is what shapes our reality and so Mm -hmm. if we are constantly saying something is too expensive or it's not I, I don't want to invest in myself because I don't have money. That's basically saying that I don't find the value in investing in myself. And I will put a pin on that and just say that, of course, there are a ton of different realities and reasons why you wouldn't have enough money to invest in a coach. But I think if you want something bad enough, you figure out a way to do it, even if it doesn't mean doing it right now. It could be, okay, 
this is a goal that I have for a year from now. You know, I know last year I wasn't, I literally did not have enough money to invest in the coach that I wanted to work with, but I made it a goal that a year later I would be able to work with her and I made it happen. And so if you want something bad enough, I think that's another thing that separates the amateurs from the pros. If you want something bad enough, you figure out a way to have it. And if you really don't want something bad enough, or if you're getting caught up in the excuses, then it's, you're not going to figure out a way to have it. You're not going to put yourself out there and you're going to let the fears, the excuses and the doubts hold you back and keep you in the same spot. But for me, I'm at the point in my life where being in my comfort zone is more uncomfortable than actually growing and putting myself out there. And I think that's another thing that's like, okay, if you're consistently wanting to grow and consistently asking yourself, how can I improve? Then that really reflects the behaviors. And I think the mindset of a pro. I, you made me think about just now when you were saying like, if you want it badly enough, you figure out how and how people use that. I can't afford it. And maybe it's true. Maybe it's not right for different people, different situations. The thing that it just tapped in that, that hit me when you were saying it was all the things that we do in life that we actually can't afford. Like, I think the average American has like 17 or $18,000 worth of debt, like credit card debt. And then that, I don't even know if that counts like student loans, but we find ways to go to college, even though we don't have the money, we find ways to go to medical school or law school, even though we don't have the money, we find ways to get cars that we actually do not have the money for, but we, we find ways we justify, we get them right. Like a lot of people probably should be driving like Kias or civics or whatever, nothing wrong with those. And they're driving Mercedes and BMWs because it matters to them. They've decided that's important and they would rather do that. And, you know, the apartments we live in and the things that we fill our houses and apartments with are so often things that we could actually go, you actually can't technically, like you don't actually don't have the money for that, but we find ways to get the things we want, whether we have the money for them or not. And I love that you tie it to, you could actually do that same thing with anything. Maybe it's a yoga yeah. membership. Maybe it's a retreat. Maybe it's travel. Maybe it's a coach. It, you know, maybe it's like hiring a lawyer to like, you know, leave a, a bad relationship. But if you really want it badly enough, you can and will find a way. Um, yeah. Is there anything – I really want people to go to your website because there's so much – value on it like there's first it's just I mean it's a beautiful website but like there's just you just have a ton there and there's a lot people can learn about you um a lot of your offerings you give away things for free um I'm just going to spell it out for people so they know how to get there and whatnot which is a-v-a-j-o-h-a-n-n-a.com and it's like everything that you do is there uh your Instagram is the same right same handle yeah. So mm -hmm. again, I would, you guys should go there, check it out. Um, is there anything you want to leave people with any, you know, tidbit advice, suggestion, um, something you want to share personally that you think makes a difference for people? Yeah. I think that the bracket, as you say, on this entire conversation is that it is a journey and, you know, both of us have shared a lot within this conversation that, Sometimes it can be overwhelming, but my favorite quote, don't know who it's by, but I'm going to say it anyways, is start where you are, do what you can and use the tools that you have. And so for anyone listening that is excited by these tools, excited by this conversation, but maybe a little overwhelmed, just pick one thing, pick one thing to work on, 
And then once you feel like you've mastered that or have gotten into a good routine with that, add something new in. I think that we often get so overwhelmed by all of the information that's around us. And while it's amazing that we have so much information around us, it it really is important that we start slow because that's how we create lasting change in our life. It's by slowly incorporating everything in rather than taking off a bite that's too big to chew. And so I've been in that position where I've started a lot of different things and have, you know, not done any of it because it was too overwhelming to do after a week. Um, And what served me best on this journey is to just do one thing at a time. And once I feel good about that and really resonate with the practice, then I decide to add something new in. That's, I think that's great advice. And I think it doesn't even matter. I, I know like I, I shared it with, yes, my my vegan uh, plant-based experiment for one year is a huge, that's not a small thing, but the mindset of like, I just got to win today. Like I'm yeah. not worried about the rest of the year. Like who cares? It's in the future. It doesn't even exist yet. All I have to do is be plant-based vegan today. And that's a totally winnable game. And you could do that with anything from like, I'm going to eat better to like, I'm just going to go to yoga today to, um, you know, I'm going to put more time in to write that book or, or, or whatever it is that you're up to or want to do that would change your life. Um, Ava, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for sharing like aspects of your personal life, your professional life for, um, really like leaving gold and tidbits for people that they can actually use and put into their life and bringing just such a like radiant and, um, spiritual and heart-based energy to this conversation, but to the work you do in general. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly been such a great conversation and I'm really humbled and honored to be here with you. So thank you. Is there anywhere else people need to know besides like your website and Instagram? Is that like kind of best way they'll find you? They'll get everything they need. Yeah. Website and Instagram. And then my podcast, as you mentioned at the beginning is the alchemized life. Awesome. And definitely go get that, uh, that money, uh, mindset or manifestation, um, uh, meditation. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to like listen to it later because I'm like having the same conversation in my own life. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.